You're listening to Kyle Warren. Well, they went and did it. They raised the rates again today, 25 basis points by the Fed. The Fed also saying they might have one more rate hike in them for the remainder of the year. Wall Street reacting, of course, today. We'll talk about that. Also, do we have a strong economy? Well, if you ask Corinne Jean-Pierre over at the White House, she'll tell you, yes, they see a strong economy. But I'm wondering, as Americans look out their windows and out their front doors, are, are they seeing a strong economy? Are they happy the rates went up again? Are they worried about the next bank failure? One would think so. Stay with us, folks. All right. Welcome, everyone, around the globe and across the net. Kyle Warren with you. Glad to be with you here as we race into and rocket into this Wednesday edition of the program. It is Wednesday, March the 22nd, 2023. And boy, do we have an awful lot to talk about. Uh, We're going to talk about the economy, of course. We're going to talk about this rate hike, some of the ramifications there. Um, Also, uh, the Trump grand jury uh, did not meet today on Wednesday. Proceedings were canceled. And there's a lot of speculation as to just why is that? What happened? Was it just logistical? Was something else going on? Well, we've got some pretty good analysis to share with you today on this, folks, uh, regarding this, the case in general. Uh, and then also, of course, per, uh, perhaps the reason why these proceedings were actually canceled today. So no indictment today, more than likely not tomorrow on Thursday, certainly not before the weekend at least, and maybe into next week if it occurs at all. And we'll explain more about that as we move through the program today. But once again, welcome to the show and welcome to everybody who's finding this show for my appearances on the Captain's America Third Watch radio program uh, six nights a week there on the GCN network. Also uh, going along some of the Salem stations, the Captain's America Third Watch with host Captain Matt Bruce, of course, uh, broadcasting from his flagship station of AM860 The Answer there in Tampa, Florida. And of course, we're on with the captain from 2 a.m. to 4 a.m. six nights a week. And that uh, all starts uh, if you're in the Pacific time zone. That's 11 p.m. Pacific, 2 a.m. Eastern time. The captain and I will have all of the wrap up of all of the day's events, uh, political events, the major news, and also get this, folks, the breaking news that happens overnight in America. You'd be surprised at how much news actually breaks overnight in America. And typically, Captain Matt Bruce and I are the very first people to bring you that breaking news. So we do invite you to join. You can go to Kyle Warren Show. That's KyleWarrenShow.com. You can uh, find links to listen uh, to the Captain's America live on AM860, The Answer. We also have the GCN network feed link there for you as well. So you can listen to the program literally wherever you are. Any time of day, they have a loop that continues to play the program all throughout the day. It's a four-hour program, and uh, we hope that you can uh, you can find out more about it. Just go to kylewarrenshow.com. Okay, so here we go. This is, of course, the day the Fed was going to meet and, and let us know if they're going to be raising the interest rates again. Well, they did. Now, there were some arguments on both sides. Of course, the idea, should they raise the rates 
given the banking saga that's going on right now, given the uncertainty out there, and some would say, well, if they if they pause, uh, they're going to be sort of reacting to this. They're going to be showing that they, they don't want to do any more harm necessarily to the economy if they could help it. On the other side, uh, people were saying, well, you know, they're still going to have to keep their eye on the inflation numbers and uh, believing they can get inflation down by constantly raising the rates higher and higher. Well, I would submit that I think there's already a lot of pain going on the, out there in the economy. We're, we're hearing more about more tech layoffs for for example, um, we're seeing a, a lot of issues uh, where um, where people are incredibly concerned. And again, perception is a huge part of this ball game. If you're a consumer and you get spooked by something, you say, "Okay, well, I'm going to sit on my money. I, I'm I'm not going to go buy that car. I'm not going to buy." that uh, that new washer and dryer. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go on that that trip necessarily. I'm going to take time and just sort of pull back and watch and see what happens. I think a lot of people are thinking that way. Uh, and certainly with higher interest rates, you're going to find that, of course, this is going to drive down a lot of the um, a lot of the activity. Uh, people looking uh, to uh, borrow money to do things, uh, they're not going to be doing that so much. In fact, banks themselves, I think, folks, are going to be uh, uh, tightening up where it's going to be harder and harder, perhaps, to get a loan because banks are not going to want to loan out that money right now uh, for fear that it's going to deplete them and that they may not be able to get it back at some point. And something else I heard too, you know, we've been talking about commercial real estate uh, uh, loans, especially with these regional banks uh, in relation to what happened with SVB Bank and other regional banks. The concern is, uh, of course, that uh, the multifamily investors, commercial investors, uh, you know, they're going to be having a tough time because a lot of times their, their bank notes, their own mortgages for their properties are tied uh, to the uh, to the to the uh, to the uh, federal you know to the interest rate basically um, and that can change the dynamic of how much money they have to put in their property uh, their building their complex whatever it might be every month and that can change dramatically and in other words it would it could exceed how much income they get from leases and rentals and things like that so it's the real game changers and here's here's the key some of these banks, if some of these some of these owners get into trouble, and uh, they may start getting foreclosed upon faster than normal, because some of these banks will simply say, uh, "We don't have time to uh, try to work with uh, with with borrowers. Um, we're just going to take this property, and I'm not just big commercial properties, but even single family homes. I think it might uh, apply as well. And they might say, "We're we're just going we're, we're going to foreclose faster than we normally would, as opposed to trying to working with borrowers because we'll need to get cash in our accounts." Because, uh, you know, they, they can't afford to have another, uh, you know, uh, run on their bank, basically. Uh, they won't be, maybe won't be able to meet the, uh, the cash demands. And, of course, in the same time, Janet Yellen is now intimating, sort of reversing, sort of reversing what she was talking about before. Well, there's the music playing, folks. I've got to tell you, we're going to take a break right now. When we come back, we'll tell you what Janet Yellen said about possibly covering deposits. When at first she said they probably weren't going to do that anymore. They were not going to be doing that uh, because it obviously would be too expensive. Stay right there, folks. We're right back after this.
You're listening to Kyle Warren. Hi, folks. Kyle Warren here. Those of you who hear me throughout the week on the Captain's America Third Watch radio show know that Captain Matt Bruce tells all the listeners about the great people and the great products at MyPillow. He's asked me to tell all the listeners to this program as well about the amazing products that MyPillow has to offer. From the brand new MyPillow 2.0 to the Giza sheets, the slippers, and the unbelievable towel sets, just to name a few, MyPillow has so much to offer. By the way, everyone in my family sleeps on a MyPillow. Mrs. Professor gave me a pair of the MyPillow slippers for Christmas, and she enjoys hers too. You know, we sleep on the Giza sheets every night, and we absolutely love them. So, go to MyPillow.com. That's MyPillow.com. Scroll down to the Radio Listener Specials page, and when you've made your choices and you're ready to check out, be sure to use the promo code CAPTAIN. That's all you need. Promo code CAPTAIN, and you're all set. Now, if you'd rather order over the phone, simply dial 1-800-641-5459. That's 1-800-641-5459. And be sure again to use the promo code CAPTAIN, and you'll be helping out this program as well as the CAPTAIN's program, and we really appreciate it. Once again, go to MyPillow.com and use the promo code CAPTAIN. If you're a veteran looking to file for your service-connected benefits through the Department of Veterans Affairs, don't go it alone. AMVET's highly trained service officers stand ready to walk you through the process at VA regional offices around the country, helping you to navigate the complex VA system free of charge. With new presumptions for Agent Orange exposure and other conditions, AMVETS can offer you the advice you need to finally receive all of your earned benefits. In 2009 alone, AMVETS helped process more than 65,000 claims and appeals, securing more than $410 million in benefits. To find your nearest AMVETS service officer or to learn more, visit After a long, hard day in the rough-and-tumble world of politics, open a tall, cool Kyle Warren show. Ah, that crisp, refreshing taste. That smooth style. That effervescing attitude. And without all that other stuff that can, well, bog you down. Helping to put back what the daily media assault takes away, listen to The Kyle Warren Show weekdays right here on this station and visit the website at kylewarrenshow.com. Hi, folks. This is Kyle Warren. I'd like to hear from you about the things we're talking about on the program. Go to kylewarrenshow.com, click on Send Kyle a Message, or send it to my Facebook page, facebook.com slash kylewarrenshow. You're listening to Kyle Warren. Edwards Notebook. Class is in session with the professor of politics, Kyle Warren. Yes, it is. And thank you very much, Mr. Ron Edwards. Appreciate that very much. A very wonderful introduction and liner for the program. We appreciate it. And folks, don't forget, you can go to kylewarrenshow.com. That's kylewarrenshow.com. There you can subscribe to the podcast. You can find out more about the show. And you can find me on social media. Send me a direct message. All that and much more right there at KyleWarrenShow.com. 
And uh, we keep going up and up and up, just like the music is doing right there, folks. And we have uh, you to thank for that. Uh, it really means a lot to us here at the program uh, that uh, you're sharing the program on social media. You're checking in. And, of course, also uh, you're finding us here from the Captain's America radio program uh, for my appearances there uh, six nights a week uh, with the captain. Uh, and then also some of you are finding the captain's program by finding this program. And we sure appreciate it. And uh, we hope to see you on both programs. Also, um, we have uh, a lot more in store today, uh, as always. And I was just talking about Janet Yellen, um, the idea. Now, just the other day, she said she was not, uh, you know, the, the Fed wasn't going to be covering uh, more deposits, uh, you know, over and above the $250,000 limit. But uh, just a couple of days ago, she seemed to intimate that, you know, this might not be the case anymore, that, you know, that they would want to cover these small banks. And obviously they're trying to shore up confidence. Uh, I think that much is obvious. They're trying to shore up the confidence in the system. And they're trying to uh, to make sure that people don't have this notion that they just got to go start taking their money out of all, the, all, you know, some smaller bank and walk over to a big mega bank and put their money in there. Um, I don't think it's a good idea for the smaller regional banks uh, to, to eventually sort of disappear, as it were, and only have big mega banks. Uh, because then I think that you're going to have a lot less choice. You're going to have a lot less um, uh, ability uh, for people to uh, to to bank at the level that they need to bank at and have the service that they need to have um, and to be able to uh, to do the things that they want to do. I, I really I really don't see if we only had, you know, the the the, you know, huge mega banks only that that would somehow benefit our economy, although I think it could be sort of a misnomer, right? The idea, well, they're just be big. And to, and to be too big to fail, and, and then we'll all just know it's, it can't ever collapse and this kind of thing. Well, uh, there were some pretty bad banking management decisions that were made, uh, especially by SVB Bank. Um, and then, of course, now we're, we're seeing with Credit Suisse, uh, they're, uh, they're being bought by UBS. But I did uh, hear something about this that I thought was quite interesting. You know, we hear, for example, last Sunday— the deal was was finalized. Uh, UBS is going to buy Credit Suisse. And that is supposed to, of course, to bring up this notion that, okay, we've, we've got a lot more stability um, in the European sector, basically, uh, uh, primarily in this case. And so don't worry, it's all going to be fine. Uh, but Credit Suisse, that transaction is not going to be finalized probably until about the end of this year. It takes a long time. So Credit Suisse had those influxes of cash, of course, uh, to help keep them going uh, and to help stabilize them. Um, but it's you're not technically out of the woods yet because you, there's still a lot of time between now and the end of the year. And Credit Suisse would still, for the most part, be acting independently. Now, one could say, of course, there could be parts of this deal that say you can't do this, that, or the other thing uh, without some kind of approval from uh, UBS. But uh, again, it's not a done deal yet. And so there's still some volatility, I think, generally speaking, and again, especially from perceptions. We'll talk about perceptions Corinne Jean-Pierre over at the White House had this to say about the economy. Evidently, they see a strong economy. Let's let's listen in. Um, the Federal Reserve chairman said today that inflation is still too high. Does the president agree? Look, the president has always said that he's going to do everything that he can. 
to make sure uh, that uh, uh, we work uh, every day to lower costs. He has always said when it comes to his economic plan, the number one thing that he wants to do is lower costs for Americans, and that's why the Inflation Reduction Act is so important, lowering, uh, lowering uh, costs uh, for health care, uh, lowering energy costs. So he's always going to continue to work uh, and, and, take, and take actions to make sure that we're doing that uh, as much as we can. Okay, stop, 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 stop right there. Okay, this is... You know, I, we're playing this clip because this is typical Corinne Jean-Pierre, and I'm, I don't have anything against her. I, I just think that uh, she's she's always seems to be overwhelmed by by all of this, and and doesn't really speak extemporaneously about these issues, um, and kind of gets sort of uh, sort of uh, you know uh, lost in in what she's saying, and then she does the telltale sign. She looks down at the notebook or the binder, right? She looks down at the binder and then she starts reading from the binder. And, you know, it, it used to be, you have a, a, a white house press secretary and there've been good ones and not so good ones, but generally speaking, the white house press secretary should be able to discuss these things on their feet without having to rely upon um, pre written paragraphs of things. And I'm, I'm not going to go down this road too long. I, I, I just, I, I think that there's a real difference. You can tell when someone's reading something and when they're speaking extemporaneously uh, about something. Um, and all she's got to do is, is shore up the main, the main points, but she looks down and starts reading from the, from the notebook. Let's, let's listen in. Different ways. And you've seen the policies uh, that he's put forward uh, to deal with that. So uh, look, one of the things that uh, Jerome Powell did say about inflation, good, goods inflation's been coming down now for six months. Uh, housing services is really a matter of, of time passing, and that came from, the, from Jerome Powell, or Powell earlier today. Um, given all of that, the price of goods is still high. Um, Americans are paying about $372 more a month, according to one estimate, than they were a year ago. What does the president say to Americans who everything that you say is happening on paper for them, paying that amount of money a month is still a lot? And we say, and we've been saying, we understand what the American people is feeling. That's not all lost on us. That's why we've made it a priority to do everything that we can to lower costs for Americans. There's junk fees. You've heard this president talk about junk fees that we're trying to deal with, uh, writing, uh, uh, writing out executive orders or uh, hearing from different agencies on how we're dealing with junk fees, which is going to matter uh, to Americans. Again, when you think about health care costs, lowering uh, the cost on health care. And this is why we've made the contrast with what Republicans are trying to do. You see Republicans in the House uh, saying that they want to lower Medicare. They want to cut cut Medicare. They want to cut Social Security, which is actually going to hurt uh, working working Americans. Okay, so, okay, we're going to stop right there. It, we, we can't keep that going for too much longer. Uh, and it's really unfortunate. Um, you know, it, it's, you know, the Biden policies should sell themselves, right? The Biden policies should sell themselves and they should be able to simply walk out and say, you see what we did? See how it's working? It's all good. And then go back in the White House. And it, it's never working like that. You know, to a great degree, I think President Trump could do that, uh, basically, because he, it, of course, he chose not to many times. He's, he chose to speak and talk about speaking extemporaneously. I think that's where he gets himself into trouble a lot of the times. But that's a different subject, isn't it? We'll talk more about Trump, too, by the way, in the next segment. We'll talk about the, um, the, the, uh, the possible indictment here and whether or not that's even going to happen. 
Okay, so we're not going to get too far into that right now because I want to stay on this. But um, the White House sees a strong economy. Really? Um, I don't know that people look out their front door and see a strong economy. Um, the follow-up question that the reporter asked um, was was a great one. But the cost of finished goods and these kinds of they're they're still incredibly high. Uh, people are making different decisions, and I think it, all you got to do is go out go out to dinner and see how busy it might be or might not be. All you got to do is go to the grocery store and realize that you're looking at the price tags and you're saying, what am I going to get today? Okay, not just what do I need and sort of fill up your cart, but you're looking at the things and saying, what do I need today? How am I going to, uh, you know, what, what do I really need today? Maybe that's a better question. And so this is ongoing. If we look at the... Um, at the uh, the auto uh, the auto sales industry, I think you're seeing a huge pullback in people not wanting to go spend money on cars, new cars, used cars, you name it. Um, I think people are are worried about these kinds of things, and so the the idea of a strong economy, and uh, you know, is just not is just not something people say to themselves. Yeah, I think we got a strong economy, and I'm just going to sort of move on at this point. So I really don't think that we're going to be, you know, sort of celebrating any anytime soon. But of course, we do have the uh, the rate hike, and of course, Wall Street did uh, react to that today. I think they're a little bit happy about the idea that there might not be uh, another rate, uh, more than say one more rate hike, even coming up in the in the in the uh, uh, in the near future here. All right. Well, there's the music. We're going to go back out to break. When we come back, folks, we'll talk about Trump. And much, much more. Stay right there. KyleWarrenShow.com You're listening to Kyle Warren. Hi, folks. This is Kyle Warren. A short time out, then back with more. So stay right there. Hi, folks. This is Kyle Warren. Stay tuned for the Edwards Notebook right here on the Kyle Warren Show. If anyone doesn't believe that Joe Biden, the rest of the Socialist Democrats, and their rhino lackeys are scheming to destroy this republic beyond repair, I pray that they see the light before it's much too late. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook, brought to you by Constitutional Grounds, the coffee you want in your cup. Ever since Trump left office, government officials like Joe Biden, Lindsey Graham, Mitch McConnell, Chuck Schumer, Nasty Pelosi, and others have made sure the United States is on pace for a soon-to-come economic and possible military calamity she may not recover from. Our gross domestic product growth rate lags behind Russia, which is fully engaged in the effort to crush Biden's corrupt buddy Zelensky and his alleged human trafficking, money laundering Ukraine. Biden's no-secure-border policy could soon result in the United States completely overrun by illegals. Man, oh man. U.S. military is focused on its diversity and lowering standards, while Chinese soldiers are training harder than ever before as they prepare to take Taiwan. The United States of America must turn away from her utter foolishness before China checkmates our republic. I'm Ron Edwards. Join me live weekdays, 3 p.m. Eastern, 12 Pacific, to find out where. Go to theronedwards.com. See ya. You're listening to Kyle Warren.
right, welcome back, everybody. Kyle Warren with you. Welcome back as we continue racing through and rocketing through this Wednesday edition of the program. Glad to be with you, of course. And once again, don't forget, you can go to kylewarrenshow.com. That's kylewarrenshow.com. There you can uh, find out more about the program. You can also subscribe to the podcast, and you can find us in all the great podcast services, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Uh, you've got Podcast Republic there as well. Also, Spotify. And we're on Rumble now as well. We're getting some pretty good response. And so anybody finding us on the uh, on Rumble and you're finding the program that way, be sure to go to KyleWarrenShow.com, send me a direct message, and let me know that you found us there on Rumble. Be sure to appreciate it. All right, so now let's talk a little bit about what's going on with the Trump uh, grand jury. Uh, of course, uh, Manhattan DA Alvin Bragg. Uh, evidently, those, those proceedings were canceled on Wednesday, so we don't know if it was a, um, uh, a a logistical problem or if something else is going on. We just don't know. But there's been all kinds of predictions uh, over the last several days. It's going to be Monday. It's going to be Tuesday. It's going to be Wednesday, Wednesday, Wednesday. Donald Trump is going to be indicted, and then they'll have to bring him to New York City where he's going to be put in handcuffs and fingerprinted and on and on it goes, right? And so, of course, you have some commentators, uh, uh, certain cable news channels, they're salivating over the whole thing. Uh, the Lindsey Graham said, well, if they indict Donald Trump, it'll, quote, blow up our country. That's what he said. Donald Trump called on supporters to protest. Um, I'm not exactly sure how how well that sort of goes down. Uh, maybe that's not the right way to, uh, <laughs> to approach it uh, at this point, only because uh, it seems to feed into... Uh, the left and especially the left-leaning media. Um, so I think you have to be very careful about how you navigate uh, these kinds of things. Um, so there's a lot of political and there's a lot of political theater uh, to this whole thing. But that being said, there is a lot about this case that just doesn't seem to add up. And so I think that most people out there across the highways and byways are saying to themselves, you know, uh, whatever they might think of Donald Trump, by the way, or whatever they might think of his presidency, whatever they might think of his post-presidency, all that put aside, I do think that the American people inherently want there to be a justice system that is predictable and fair and, uh, and consistent. Uh, but when you have uh, when you have people that run for office, for elected office, for for to be a prosecutor, basically, um, and they they basically say, uh, you know, elect me because I want to go after Donald Trump. Well, then that's just the you know, no matter what, we're going to get Donald Trump. Yeah, I'll, I'll find something uh, this, you know, so don't worry. But, you know, but I got to get the, in there and get down to business. So elect me. That's a huge problem in this country because we're not supposed to have a, um, a prosecutorial system um, that is simply vendetta-based. Uh, I think that that's really, really uh, alarming and scary, um, and we should all be concerned about something like that. Then, of course, you know, and even Alan Dershowitz the other day, we've got some great quotes from him in just a moment here. Even Alan Dershowitz the other day said, you know, we basically are having a two-tier justice system in this country. And, and one of them, one of those systems basically is for Donald Trump. 
It's the idea again, get Trump by any means necessary. It's okay. We can throw we can throw things out the window. Uh, uh, constitutionally speaking, we don't need to have a lot of these you know pesky protections or procedures because it's Trump. And we all know Trump is bad and Trump is this and that. Well, you know, I think people are tiring of that. Uh, to uh, to a great degree, uh, I think there's a similar kind of kind of fervor when it comes to Hunter Biden and Joe Biden and so forth. And uh, but I, I'm really one of those people to let the chips fall where they may. Um, and uh, you know, certainly we have a lot to investigate when it comes to things like Hunter Biden business dealings, possible blowback and ramifications of Joe Biden, this kind of thing. I think all of that is fair game. Right. All of that is is something that the American voters certainly should be able to evaluate. And just parenthetically, the American voter really wasn't able to evaluate that back in 2020 because of the suppression of the story, well-researched by a legitimate news organization historically and so forth. It, it's you know, and then it got suppressed because it was very it would have been very damaging to Joe Biden. And it's funny how a lot of these things, you know, and at that time it was Russian disinformation, right? There's all Russian disinformation. Hunter Biden laptop. Are you kidding me? Well, isn't Hunter Biden trying to sue now the laptop repairman or something? It's like, well, wait a minute. I, it, you can't have it both ways. It's either Russian disinformation or it's not. So you got to come up with something here. Um, but that being said, that being said, political fervor, fever to go and prosecute somebody isn't the best thing in the whole world. We, it, we have to lead, we have to go rather where the evidence leads. And I think that, that that's all fair game. In this case, does the evidence lead to Donald Trump breaking the law and paying Stormy Daniels and all this kind of stuff? I, I just don't know because number one, this was a case that the Department of Justice said they weren't going to prosecute, uh, that they didn't find enough uh, to go after, basically. So then you have somebody who's trying to make something, literally make something into a federal case. Let's listen to Jonathan Turley here real briefly because he's talking about this very idea when he appeared, um, I believe yesterday or so, I believe on Fox News. Let's listen in. And what he's trying to do is to bootstrap a state misdemeanor into a federal alleged crime uh, that the federal government uh, decided to pass on. Um, that's going to be troubling for some judges. He also is facing a, a, a tough situation with the statute of limitations. The statute of limitations on the misdemeanor was two years. This was seven years ago. And so he really needs to do this bootstrapping if he even has any chance of seeing a jury because he needs to get that longer felony statute of limitations to make this even work. Uh, Jonathan, a whole host of analysts over the weekend were saying, um, you know, Trump does face other potential criminal charges in, I think, three other cases, and that the likelihood is that this Manhattan case poses the least serious of a threat to the former president. Do you, are you on board with that? Yeah, Jillian, I think that the irony here is that if Donald Trump could pick one of these torpedoes to hit, this would be the one. 
I mean, because he's been arguing that they're, crim they're politicizing the criminal justice system. And Alvin Bragg just gave him proof positive that that narrative is correct, at least in this case. More substantive threats exist in things like Mar-a-Lago. Those are conventional crimes. They're well-established uh, theories of culpability. Uh, so if you had to choose, of course this would be the one that Trump would decide to go forward with first. And what Bragg has done is he's now going to paint all those other cases, if they do end up in indictment, uh, with the same brush. So Bragg has undermined uh, these other cases uh, while he is, in my view, empowered Donald Trump in a very significant way. So there's Jonathan Turley. And of course, I, I, I'm always, uh, I want to always point out that uh, Jonathan Turley is not um, a Trump supporter. He's not a he's not a mega Republican. He's he's not any of those things. But yet he's a constitutional scholar. Uh, he's uh, obviously uh, has a great deal of respect for our judicial system and the Constitution. And so I, I think he's he's uh, speaking very well here uh, in the idea that, again, you know, you're starting to politicize the justice system. Um, you're trying to make stretches and basically try to uh, fold into a pretzel uh, in, in ways that are just not capable. That you know, the law is not capable of doing in this case, um, and all and really all to serve a political end. That's a huge, huge concern here. And if we keep going down this road, well, then we start slipping into banana republic mode where, you know, or Soviet Union mode. Well, I'm just going to denounce that guy. We're just going to denounce him and then we're going to find him something and then we're going to, no pun intended, trump up some charges about it. And then we'll finally get them convicted and then we'll and then they'll have to be drawn away in disgrace and, and this kind of thing. And then we'll all sort of have a good laugh and, and we'll keep going our merry way of establishing a much more authoritarian, scary system. And that's that's not at all what the American people want, I believe. Um, and um, we're, we're seeing this start to happen right before our very eyes. Um, and also something I was telling the captain last night or early this morning, depending on your perspective and time zone, um, you know, just replace the, the, the name uh, Trump with Obama or Clinton, uh, you know, or, and and say, well, we've got this we've got this uh, this thing we're going to charge him with and so forth. And and people would say, well, that's obvious. You're obviously doing this for for political reasons. Well, Alan Dershowitz, you know, as was talking about this idea that the uh, the grand jury was paused for today. Well, he's saying and this, according to Dershowitz, quoted on Newsmax, Bragg may very well be reconsidering some things, Dershowitz said. After all, Bob Costello really put, really put a block in front of him. Costello was not called on to testify. He basically just burst into the grand jury room and testified and made it almost impossible for Bragg to call Cohen as a witness. So there are things going on. Maybe somebody's telling Bragg, this isn't going to work. Stay right there. You're listening to Kyle Warren. Hi, I'm Tim McGraw. Every two seconds, someone in America needs blood. Accident victims, cancer patients, and individuals with blood disorders and other illnesses. They may live next door or up the block or across town. They're our neighbors. Yet only a small percentage of those who are eligible to give donate blood. A healthy blood supply comes from ordinary people, just like you and me. It's all about neighbors helping neighbors. Your gift of blood is needed now to help save lives. 
That's why I'm joining with my good neighbors at State Farm and the American Red Cross in the Neighbors Give Life campaign to raise awareness and to challenge you to donate blood. It only takes an hour of your time and can save the lives of up to three people. You can donate as many as six times a year, so make an appointment to donate at your local blood center and donate often. And won't you join me now in giving the gift of life? Be a hometown hero. Visit NeighborsGiveLife.com for more information about donating blood. This is Chicago-style hot dog here. I'm not feeling too good. Turns out, along with all the other bad things my cholesterol does, they say it's a risk factor for strokes. Strokes? Sheesh. Good news from National Stroke Association. Exercising, eating right, and asking your doctor about medicines that can help lower your cholesterol, like statins, may reduce the risk of a first stroke. And if you've already had a stroke, it's even more important you lower your cholesterol. Lower your chances of stroke by controlling your cholesterol. Visit stroke.org today. Hi, folks. This is Kyle Warren. I'd like to hear from you about the things we're talking about on the program. Go to kylewarrenshow.com, click on Send Kyle a Message, or send it to my Facebook page, facebook.com slash kylewarrenshow. You're listening to Kyle Warren. Welcome back, everybody. Kyle Warren with you. Welcome back as we continue racing through, rocketing through the Wednesday edition. And we have so much more to tell you about as we continue through the program. Don't forget, you can go to kylewarrenshow.com. That's kylewarrenshow.com. And once again, you can find out how you can subscribe to the podcast, how you can find me on social media, and how you can send me a direct message. We really do appreciate it. And also, don't forget, uh, you can join me on the Captain's America Third Watch radio program six nights a week, starting at 2 a.m. Eastern time. That's 11 p.m. Pacific time. I'm on there, of course, with uh, Captain Matt Bruce, the host of the program, and uh, the Captain and I will have all of the day's events, all of the political, uh, all of the political news, and again, of course, breaking news as it happens in the overnights. And once again, you'd be surprised as to what happens in the overnights uh, in the United States and, of course, across the world. And so, again, Captain Matt Bruce, host of the Captain's America Third Watch Radio Program, go to uh, KyleWarrenShow.com. Yeah, I can say that KyleWarrenShow.com and uh, look for links to uh, to uh, to listen live. Um, Okay, so now, um, is the Fed tightening enough? That's a very, very good question. Has it already been enough? Um, Are people going to, uh, are we going to start seeing inflation come down? Uh, Because spending, of course, is going to go down. And uh, people, uh, you know, they're just not going to be able to pay high prices for so many different products and services and things. So will that also uh, sort of bring about uh, some changes? Is that the pain, I suppose, we're supposed to feel uh, in the economy? Well, uh, we only time will tell. We will see. Uh, but of course, uh, the idea that there may be only one more rate hike uh, as we go into uh, to the remainder of this year, uh, that may be good news uh, for the um, uh, for the for the markets. Uh, but typically, though, you know, the Fed does react very slowly uh, to what people on the front lines see very clearly and see very quickly. Um, so this has sort of been the historic issue with the Fed. 
So I think a lot of people would have rather come to the end of business today and said, um, yeah, well, they didn't raise the rates. Maybe we're going to have some breathing room, this kind of thing. Uh, others might think, well, that's, that's a, it's a good thing. Uh, so as I said, time will tell on that. But I do know this, time is not on the side of people who are looking at the inflation numbers um, and not just the numbers. I'm, I'm just talking about, you know, when, when they go to the store, when they go to buy gasoline, when they go, when they go to do virtually anything and their wages don't keep up with uh, with the rising prices, your dollars buying so much less now than it was. And that causes a lot of consternation. And, uh, you know, I think they look to they're not just looking to the Fed, but they're going to look at the administration. And when the administration does say, hey, you know, we see a strong economy and we're the president's always working to do this and such for working people and all this kind of thing. It, it, it just it just falls flat. It doesn't it doesn't um, make people say, oh, good. Well, I'm just so glad that everything's fine, uh, because if I go to the store and spend seventy five dollars. Um, I might get a bag and a half of groceries or something. Uh, and certainly I want to take my family out to eat. It's going to be over $100, let's say. Um, or, you know, because, for example, if you want to meet a friend for lunch or you have a business lunch or whatever, and it starts approaching $50 to go to a casual dining restaurant for lunch, uh, you're not going to do that as much. It's it's just that simple. And so, once again, I think we'll find ourselves um, in a in a real quandary. Now, um, speaking of quandaries, what is it going to take for uh, for how for for getting uh, Russia and China to not be close buddy buddy friends at this point? And I'm just sort of putting it in those terms because that's where I, I kind of think it's it's heading. And certainly, the war in Ukraine is a major concern, not just for our economy and this kind of thing. But also this notion of how things go in Ukraine might be how things go in Taiwan in the in the sense that um, uh, uh, Putin eventually pulled the trigger and invaded Ukraine. Uh, President Xi, I think, also wants to go and eventually do what he calls reuniting Taiwan with mainland China, um, but willing to do it. And as I've said before, I think the uh, the Biden administration could be sort of a ticking countdown clock for something like that, because given where we're heading in the presidential election, um, could it be that uh, that uh, the Chinese government is going to say, well, Joe Biden is going to be in office at least until the first part of 2025, right? Um, assuming he runs, assuming he wins, if he runs and doesn't win, he'll still be there for a time. And I do think the Chinese uh, government, President Xi, uh, in particular, wants to do something on Biden's watch because they've seen how he's reacted to Ukraine. They see how he's reacted to all these different kinds of things. And I don't think that they're necessarily concerned with what Joe Biden is, could do or might do next. Um, the uncertainty factor would be, of course, a new president coming in. Uh, perhaps, I mean, we don't know yet. Uh, Trump is, still has to get the nomination and this kind of thing. But there are also going to be other contenders. And I think it's important to point that out, too. For the GOP, there are going to be other contenders. For example, Mike Pompeo, I think, is going to get into this race um, in, in, sooner than later, one might think. Um, certainly seeing how this uh pans out with the Trump and possible indictment or possible dropping all the charges. Cause as we talked about right before we go to break, we went to break rather Alan Dershowitz is saying, well, maybe Bragg is reconsidering some of these things. 
you know, there's a there's a lot of political upheaval coming from both sides of the aisle, as it were, by the way. The uh, I think Republicans, you know, Lindsey Graham has been very, um, uh, very uh, 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 illuminative about this. He's, you know, it's going to blow up our country, this kind of. So he's using pretty strong rhetoric. But others are, of course, even from the left side, they're saying, hey, you're going to empower Donald Trump. Uh, even as Jonathan Turley said, uh, this is what Bragg is doing. And Bragg could also even taint other cases that are coming down the pike uh, because this particular case will be seen so obviously as being a political witch hunt, basically. So, you know, so as I was saying, Pompeo and others might be looking at what's going to happen with this possible indictment. Is that going to go forward? Is it going to clear the way? Is it going to make Trump much more popular? These are all good questions, right? But getting back to my main point, and that is if if President G says, well, it looks like Mike Pompeo might win this thing. Maybe we need to go get Taiwan right now so that at the very least, whatever, you know, so we'll be there. We'll have it, you know, um, presumably uh, Biden's not going to do a whole lot, presumably. And then, you know, uh, the new American president will just have to sort of live with it. That's that really does concern me because I think this is the kind of calculus that that people like President Xi and President Putin use. And we always have to be aware of this kind of thing. We always have to be um, aware that something like this, you know, uh, or these messages that are sent are uh, are incredibly important. And I just think that they're looking for Biden uh, to continue to sort of bumble his way through things. And I hate to say that. And I mean, I really do. I'm not trying to be mean or anything like that. But I think, you know, from the perspective of Beijing in Moscow, I think they look at him as bumbling his way through these things. It's just it's just un- unbelievable to me, you know, that uh, that it can it can be that bad. Uh, by the way, NBC News has a new poll out from Monmouth University they find, this according to NBC News, finds a stagnant job approval rating for President Joe Biden and a low approval rating for Vice President Kamala Harris, although both still have high marks among Democrats. Well, I even wonder how long that's going to last, folks. How long is it going to be before the rising chorus is going to say Joe Biden can't hack it and Kamala Harris is not going to be able to have the kind of, of impact uh, you know, as vice president or as a presidential candidate or standard bearer. And I, I just think they're going to they're going to change horses. They, they have to. I don't think they have a choice, to be honest. And I think that whatever might be being whispered right now is going to start being said more out in the open. And although Joe Biden, I think Joe Biden personally might be fighting this whole thing. You know, um, you know, because I think that the prevailing idea among many of the Democrat Party elite would simply be, okay, Biden did his job. Uh, Trump's not in office anymore, but Biden's also faltering. And so maybe we got to We do have to change horses here. So it's just my my own personal opinion. Back to the article. The survey released Tuesday finds 41 percent of Americans approve of Joe Biden's job as president, while 51 disapprove. With, which is only a slight dip from Biden's 43, uh, 43% approval rating in January, though the change is well within the poll's margin of error. Just over one-third of those surveyed, 36% approve of Harris's job as vice president. 53% disapprove. My question, how is it possible? How could you possibly disapprove of Kamala Harris's job uh, rating? 
when it seems to me that she doesn't really do a lot of the job. That's what I'm wondering about. <laughs> she doesn't seem to be doing a lot of the job. And what she has done, she's kind of run away from, if my, my opinion. All right, folks, thanks for listening. We will see you on the radio tonight and right back here next time. Take care out there. You're listening to Kyle Warren.